Hello, St. Matthew's United Methodist Church and the rest of you who are joining us online. Uh, I'm Pastor Kelly. And I'm Pastor Dave. And so great to have you with us this week. Uh, good news, we're not talking about Charlton Heston this week. Uh, we're still in Exodus. Well, well kind of. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's what's going to be in everybody's we got, heads. We got way. a jam-packed episode for you this week. Um, really, really pumped to get into it. Um, and Dave, why don't you kind of just give us uh, intro to your sermon like you do every week and just give us the context that's okay. there. Okay, okay, very good. You you want to turn the light on first? I probably should do that, yeah. right? Why don't we do that? Invite, you know, Guess what? Jesus is here, too. Invite uh-huh. Jesus into the room. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so this week we continued, uh, you know, we're marching through the book of Exodus, so uh, at this point we've, uh, you know, God has kind of tapped Moses on the shoulder and says, I've, I've got some work for you to do. I need you to go to Pharaoh. Moses has gone to Pharaoh. Pharaoh has told him to get lost and that, um, you know, Pharaoh's not going to do what God is requesting through Moses uh, for him to do. <laughs> so the plagues have come. Um, the uh, uh, Pharaoh has relented and said, okay, the the Israel Israelites can go. Um, they leave. They start marching out of, uh, or they march out of Egypt. And then the Pharaoh changes his mind, sends the the army um, uh, after them. Uh, the the people have gotten to the Red Sea, and now they're at this point where uh, the army is bearing down on them. The Egyptian army is bearing down on them, and they can't go anywhere. Uh, number one, they're never going to be out be able to outrun the the army, uh, mm-hmm. and two, they're kind of pinned up against the Red Sea. So they're uh, you know in the sermon I called it you know a tough spot or uh, in between a rock and a hard place. Kind of. <laughs> kind of positioning there, um, that they're, they're trapped and, um, uh, it, the things seem pretty hopeless, uh, mm. for them in that, in that moment. Mm. Um, but that's where we, uh, where we find ourselves in this week's, uh, scripture. That's awesome. So yeah, so the verses, uh, Dave preached out of, and we were making jokes about this on Sunday. Uh, the readers were like, man, I feel like I've read the entire Bible. <laughs> uh, because the verses like, that that were used this week were pretty extensive. Um, but one of the things I love about Dave is that Dave is a, a context guy. So we always want to make sure that we know what's kind of happening in the moment we're we're focused on. We're also uh, Dave's also uh, thinks it's really important to talk about what's happening before that moment mm-hmm. and then what happens a little bit after that moment. And yeah. so there's context is important, and I always. Uh, I very much appreciate that about you, and uh, I, I think this week too. You know, there's just so much happening mm-hmm. in this part. Uh, you know, it's Exodus fourteen ten through thirty one. Um, th- there's so many different things that are happening, and and to literally just read like one or two verses at this part does no like it, it's a complete disservice. <laughs> well, to, I mean, you got to get the whole story in there. Right. I mean, if we shortened it, you know, much more, we wouldn't have got the whole story. <laughs> Um, the story of the Red Sea. I mean, so it's 20 verses. Yeah. That's not horrible. No, not horrible. <laughs> no, not not horrible. horrible at all. Um, you know, and uh, there was a running joke too. Uh, Dave kept saying chariots. Uh, and and one of the reasons that's really significant is uh, the author uses the word chariot how many times? I didn't count them. It's a lot. But it's a bunch. It's a bunch. And so when you think of chariot, think of, you know, the scariest weaponry death machine that you can think of. And that's the, 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 in the Exodus, you know, this account in Exodus, uh, 
that's what the chariot represents. It's a, it's the yeah. the pinnacle of of modern day uh, at the time. Yeah, yeah. the chariot. Um, you know, we might think, oh, how how quaint, you know, or we see that. <laughs> oh, it's adorable. Yeah, it's adorable. Gun. <laughs> uh, but at the time, it was the cutting edge military, you know, kind of technology, and it actually the the uh, battle chariot gave uh, Egypt the advantage over all of their mm-hmm. all of their neighbors, and so Egypt mm-hmm. was able to conquer, was able to win wars mm-hmm. and conquer land because they had the technology of the of the chariot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, whatever kind of the, the cutting edge military technology we have today, you know, we can think back, that's what they were dealing with right. in the chariot. So it was, it, it, it represented power. It represented strength. It re- represented the most terrible kind of thing that an army could, could muster mm-hmm. um, at the time. Yeah. And final point of context before we get to the next point is, you know, I, I think this is also a, uh, I say literary device. What I what I mean by that is, um, you know, one of the reasons I think it's so significant for the author to include it is, you know, the context of this. Right? Is this is the the Israelite or the Hebrew people at this time? They are not an army. They don't have weapons. They're not trained. They're not no. going to like fight a superpower. Right? Like they're they're men, women, and children uh, trying to get away, and you know they were slaves like a week ago. So like, they're not, this isn't, they're not a force to be reckoned with. And I think this also is telling of the situation of this is the full might of the Egyptian army that's bearing down on them. So this is not a, this represents essentially like insurmountable odds. You know, people love to talk about scriptures like David and Goliath, and I'm a stickler on that. And that'll be a different podcast for another day. But Part of what this is showing or sharing and, and kind of emphasizing here is they're going to die, and there's nothing they're going to be able to do about it because they have no chance. You know, the, 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 we joke like, oh, there's a chance. There's no chance. Zero probability. Like, everybody's dead. Um, and so I think that's significant to the topic we're talking about, which is, you know, um, <laughs> God being with us in the midst of, oh, we're all going to die. Uh, this is terrible. Not maybe us, but, well, we all will, but... Uh, hopefully not by chariots. Um, <laughs> but in that, like I, I for me, in, in the context of our conversation, I think that's just an important thing to point out is they have not spared anything to, to show how dire this is. This is a really difficult circumstance. There is no hope here. It is just despair. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should just just indulge me. I always think of this where they're on the bank and the ground is moving. Because the chariots are coming, and like that's not a that's not like oh like oh what's that in the distance like you could feel them. Mm-hmm. It's just terror. Mm-hmm. So you used um, in a, a, as a further illustration mm-hmm. of of uh, more modern day right because it's like what's a ch- chariot? Well, uh, you know, woohoo! It's it's a horse being pulled by a buggy. My my car has a thousand of those in it. Anyway, um, <laughs> but you talked about. Uh, there's this YouTube channel called The Moth, and they, I, I guess, they specialize more in storytelling, and and you can look them up. But uh, there was this uh, account from this man named Carl Pilateri uh, called The Fog of Disbelief, and it's his account essentially of working at the Fukushima nuclear power plant mm-hmm. in when the the earthquake and then the tsunami hit in 2011. Yeah, so why don't you go into that a little bit? Well, 
I mean, I started thinking, you know, so we have this, this scene at the Red Sea and this kind of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I started trying to think about, well, what, you know, what's a modern day equivalent? You know, what, what would something we would be a situation we could be in where we would feel the same kind of maybe hopelessness, terror, terror, <laughs> yes. you know, the fear that being overwhelmed by, mm. by it all. So I started to think about all of that. And I knew about this story by uh, Carl Pelletieri uh, on the moth. Mm. And the moth is, is kind of a storytelling. Uh, I guess they compete and who can, you know, come up with the best stories or not come up with. These are all true stories that right. they're telling. Right. Um, but the, this one is a uh, story uh, from Carl is one of the highest rated kind of moth stories that's mm-hmm. out there. And that's probably why I ran into it. But it, it I think it kind of gets to the point of uh, the fear, the hopelessness, the terror, the uncertainty um, uh, uh, that was, that was happening kind of in the Red Sea, but maybe in a, in a different, in a more modern kind of context. And so I'll, uh, I'll just yeah. go ahead and tell a little bit of Carl's story. I want to, I want to, uh, 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 I recommend everybody go look this story up. It's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, you can look up uh, the fog of disbelief. Is that mm-hmm. it? Fog of disbelief. I'll put a link. I'll put yeah, a link put in, a link in there. the description. Look it up. But in the story, Carl uh, is a uh, engineer at the Fukushima nuclear plant, and he he describes the the plant a little bit. He was working there when the when the earthquake hit. Uh, but he describes it as a huge place, kind of the scale is, is mm-hmm. big. Uh, he says the room that, that he was working in, um, he says it was as big as a, uh, uh, international airport terminal. Right. So this huge space yeah. big. and then, and then his job and, and his crew's job. Uh, and he said there were 10 crew, uh, working with him that day. And then there was one that was up in a crane that was suspended from the ceiling, mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it was their job to keep all the machinery running. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, he describes it in just the scale of this machinery is, is something that you, you, normal people don't run into, Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, big time industrial scale. So everything's huge. Uh, and he's taking care of it. And then on that day in, in, uh, 2011, when the earthquake hit, he, of course they were going about their normal business and he says it felt like. Somebody lifted the whole plant by the foundation and just dropped it six feet. Just, just shock, um, jolt, just out of the blue, earthquake Mm -hmm. hit. And he said uh, uh, immediately, he thought it was smoke had filled the air, but then he realized it was just the dust that had been disturbed, um, Mm -hmm. you know, throughout the building so that it was actually kind of hard to see. Mm-hmm. And then the the power goes out, and it just becomes completely you know pitch black. Mm. He has three or four of his crew around, and they kind of huddle together, terrified, confused, bewildered about what's happening. And then in the in the he talks about in the total pitch darkness, how the turbine that is there. The plant was running at a hundred percent capacity when the earthquake hit, mm. and he said the the turbine that, you know, I'm sure occupies, you know, I don't know how many acres of space, a uh, huge piece of machinery, but the turbine that's spinning at 1500 uh, revolutions per minute, how it changes its sound of, of its operation. The, the pitch changes. It's not, in, and not in a good way, not like mm-hmm. it's winding down, like it's about to explode. Mm-hmm. So, 
uh, you know, Carl and his crew, they're gathered, you know, three or four of them are gathered there together and, and just terrified and not knowing what to do. Carl says, you know, he began to pray mm. and his crew kind of with him. And in that moment, uh, the wor- words of the prayer didn't seem, you know, like they were enough. And they just started to recite the 23rd Psalm. Um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In that moment of fear, they turn to the 23rd Psalm. Mm. He says, a few minutes later, I guess the the emergency power kicks on. Um, there's a few lights that are still operational enough that they can see to get out of the building. All of the crew is is accounted for. They go up. Uh, climb, you know, walk up a hill, which is where the parking lot was. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get up there and they look down uh, just in time to see the tsunami roll in over the power plant. Mm-hmm. Um, listen to Carl. Look at this yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, he survived because he was able to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I won't tell all of the story. There's more there um, for you to look up later or listen to later. But what strikes me is that this level of fear, this level of uncertainty, intimidation, uh, hopelessness um, that he felt in that moment, I'm sure has got to be on par with what the Hebrew people were feeling as the Egyptians, uh, as the chariots of war were coming down upon them and mm-hmm. trapped against the Red Sea. Yeah. Um, and in Carl's case, in that moment, and his instinct was to call on was to call on God mm-hmm. and to be reminded of the comfort uh, uh, that that the Good Shepherd can bring. Mm. Um, so that's that's where I kind of draw that that connection and and why I think it's a good kind of modern day uh, equivalent, perhaps one that we can kind of wrap our heads around better. Uh, of the kind of the state that they were in at the at the time, or that they were feeling at the time. Yeah. Well, and it's a it's a nuclear power plant, so you know, and he's an engineer, so there's even in the moment of panic and stuff, like the consequences of what's happening there are also like they're all just very aware of their of situation, course, yeah. right? Leaves danger yeah. everywhere, and like you, I won't spoil his story, but there's some things that he touches on, like. The moment he talks about how the 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 weather shifts and the water starts getting sucked out, and I'm like, man, powerful. That's yeah. a that's a scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and and just to, to I, I love how you connected those two, and and you know we're talking about the theme of essentially like God is with us, right? And, and in the midst of those things, and I think there's some layers here too. Of um, there's something Carl says that I think is also really important about how we interact with stories or uh, retellings or historicals, whatever, right? Is um, he said, he said uh, something about people have names. And so just again, for the full weight of this, right? Like when I'm reading Exodus and reading Exodus 14, right? Like we only have a couple people who have names, right? Like you got the bad guy or the the person we say is the bad guy. Uh, Moses and Aaron, and then a couple other players, right? But, you know, to, to humanize it and, and to really, like, read that in the full, like, gut punch it is, is those are men, women, and children who all have names. 
Like they're people. Mm-hmm. And they're not just like a oh, and then the 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 people were gathered here. Like they're all real individual people and they have names and they have a context and a and a family story or or a life story that like they've carried with them up until this point. And that's tough to like process. And even with Carl, like Carl has a name. These people he works with have names. They're they're all people. They come from a place. Like they they went to work that day, not knowing what was going to happen. Like, mm-hmm. and so I, I say that and share that context, not to um, sensationalize or or make us feel terrible or bad, but I, to me, at least, sometimes with the how much information we come in contact with, and when we hear stories too, and like what grabs us and what doesn't. Um, as we talk again more about how God is with us in the midst of those things and how we're important to God and we matter to God is, uh, I don't want it lost. Like we're not generalizing here. This isn't like, Oh, and then there was just these people here. And then there was these people here and whatever, like, you know, focus on that for a sec. Like they're real people in a real moment experiencing real things. Um, humanize them, humanize the moment. Don't, don't, Mm -hmm like just move past it real quick or like, Oh, well this happened. And then like a three, three lines later, it all works out and it's fine. Like, um, because I, for me at least, you know, let's, let's move into this topic is when we start talking about that God is with us, right? Like, um, for me and that the humanness of that or, or the struggle of that or the difficulty of that and the terror and the despair and like the, the fear, um, you know, if, if I just think they're not real people, I could, I think I, at least for me, I don't know about y'all. Um, but I can lose sight of, of how personal and how intentional God is in that. Mm-hmm. Um, cause God isn't like, I want God to be in the good things and God is in the good things. And when it's going really great. Um, but also that in the midst of all these other things, God is consistent and also there and, and, and with us. Um, and so, uh, humanize it. We read things and remember they're real people like us. Yeah. yeah, we have to get beyond the white hat and the black hat kind of mm. kind of syndrome. Yeah, um, you know every every situation is complex. Yeah, what has led to you know things are complex, and when we simplify it and try to put it on bumper sticker, or try to you know skew it so that some some people are the good guys and some are the bad, and we. <laughs> You know, we don't have to feel bad for the bad guys or, right. or all of that kind of right. stuff. That's all crazy. Yeah. Well, and 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 I think too, like, I mean, I if you're uncomfortable, good, because I'm also <laughs> uncomfortable like sitting here thinking about this, right? Like this part of Exodus, by the way, is always really tough for me because mm-hmm. I'm a dad. Mm-hmm. Like it it's weird. Like when I became a dad and I would go back to Exodus 14, I was like, oh, this is different now. It's like a different yeah. emotion where yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't like, I don't want to read this anymore. I don't want to sit in this. And, and so I, you know, it, 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 um, it's not just information for us to have so we can regurgitate later. Like, I think these stories are meant to be somewhat uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like when you really experience the, the fear and the terror of that and the realness of that, it's like, wow, this is, this is tough. Well, so I, I really like, um, so the, the, there are, um, Jewish writings that are referred to in mm-hmm. the Jewish faith uh, as the Talmud, and it's kind of a commentary on Scripture. Uh, but the Jewish uh, in the Jewish faith, though, they really uh, make that part of the sacred reading mm-hmm. of the Talmud. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and in the Talmud, um, 
on this reading of the uh, on the story of the Red Sea, uh, they have a uh, they talk about how when God won this this great victory, when God beat the you know the latest military technology and <laughs> fought back, you know pushed back right. the Egyptians, um, that the angels in heaven they rejoiced and they started celebrating. Mm-hmm. <coughs> uh, and then in the Talmud it says that God chastised the angels for their celebration mm-hmm. um, and says something to the effect of the Egyptians were my creation just like the Israelites. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that we have a sense that that God mourns this loss mm-hmm. and the fact that it you know the situation came to this point. It's that God was not celebrating um, this victory, um, but God looking at the big picture, um, God was 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 mourning that mm. this had to happen. Yeah. So so into that right into the the topic of God being with us right. Like I think one of the dangers of that concept is um, we get into sides, right? And and for me, what's always really tough about the theological concept of like, well, who's God with and who is God for? You know, when we try to answer questions of like, well, who's for God and who's like with God and these and these things. And and what's always really tough for me um, is if we take a step back, I think, and we, you know, not to make absolutes here, but I hold firmly to the belief, right, that like if God makes creation and God says creation is good, and all creation is is loved by God, and God wants to be with all of creation, then there really aren't sides. Like, I, I'm not on the right side. Like, I'm not, because I believe, um, and I have faith, and I'm doing the best I can, or my darndest with that, right, doesn't make me better or worth more or, uh, you know, correct more than someone else. And this is, I think, one of the things that's really tough about how we read this part of Exodus, right, is, um, and even like in, in uh, you know, I didn't see any of this with with the devastation and the disaster in Fukushima, but I have seen some really problematic sermon series that come out, and 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 not from you, uh, but <laughs> but in places, right, when there's like a natural disaster, some myself. Somebody will will go and say something like, well, they did something wrong and bad, and that's why this happened. So we get into consequences, and we try to figure out sides, and we try to figure out who deserves what, as opposed to, like, God's distraught over this, mm-hmm. right? God isn't like, I can't wait to destroy the Egyptians. Um, and I think that that's a hard thing to hold, um, because it's like, well, they're hurting them. They're coming to kill them, and well, when is it? When does it get fixed? And then it, you know, it, and it's not a time for everybody to be like, "Oh, we're so glad they're all dead," because that's also not God's heart. Um, and so, as we hold this, like this concept of God being with us, um, I think it's also important to to, I guess, conceptualize that in a way where it's like God is with all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just like mine, right? Um, so the sides thing is always really tough, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I really like the, you know, the story of of their Carl's story of Fukushima, in that, uh, in the midst of that 
disaster, um, that he turns to God not to fix it, not to, mm. you know, not even to save him. But I mean, the 23rd Psalm is a comforting Psalm. It's, it's the image of the good shepherd who does protect and who does comfort. You know, when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, you know, God is with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he, he's there to comfort and, you know, he will always be there for you. Uh, so that, I think that kind of shows uh, a healthy relationship with God and not seeing God as the, you know, the genie in the lamp who's going to fix things for us, but a God who's going to love us through whatever the world throws at us. Um, I think that's kind of the key here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yes, in the story of the of the Red Sea, God did uh, save the, the Israelites. I mean, there was salvation there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was death there as well. And so the... Uh, you know the scales are not really as balanced, <laughs> uh, perhaps. As I don't we get would. to balance those scales. <laughs> no, no, it's not my job. Yeah, and I think I think um, conversely too. Like one of the things that I don't know, my own, you know, journey of faith, right? Like, uh, and and be interested to hear what people think about this too. Like whatever feedback y'all have and, and you know, comment down below and, and share with us too. And Dave, I want to hear what you think as well. But for me, like, you know, you go through uh, the hope, right? Is that you grow. And by grow, I don't mean like the, the, you go from point A to point B growth. I mean, like for me, I always think of growth more of like a, like a scope. So for me, my scope over time has gotten larger doesn't mean I know more. It just means like, like I'm like experienced the different information. I've had to work through different things going, Oh, what, what about that? God? And well, what about this? And this life experience happened and this thing happened. And how do I understand this through like these kind of concepts? And so for me, like, you know, when I first started my faith journey, a lot of it was about making sure I did the right things because if I did the right things, then the right things would happen. Then it went from that to, well, if I do the right things, then God will love me and accept me, and then things will go well. And then it was, well, if I do the right things, then that's proof that I love God. Um, and now, <laughs> I'm fast-forwarding quite a few years from that point to this point, is I, what I'm learning about myself and, and like the point of my faith, or the relationship I have with God, is because I want to be with God. More than performing, more than getting it right, more than these other things is I just literally want to be with God. And the other part of that is I want other people to be with God, and I want creation to be restored and, and with God, and I want us all to be with God and with each other. Like, that's kind of where my heart has grown, and we'll see in 10 years where that's at. But um, And so in this, right, like we're talking about the devastation and this really difficult circumstance in Exodus— and the challenge of like, well, if God's so good and God loves us, like where the heck is God? <laughs> and then in Fukushima, it's like front row seat to just absolute terror. And, um, and you know, how do we justify that? How do we, how does, how do we prove that God's with us in that? And how does all this stuff work? And, and, like you said, when I was watching it too, Carl kind of comes to this moment where he's, I don't think it's that he's stoked to die. <laughs> he's not no, like, oh, I can't no. wait. But he's accepting of the reality that is what's happening around him 
And that has not imposed or superseded or influenced or changed the other truth that's also present, which is that God is with him Mm -hmm. in that moment. Mm -hmm. And for me, like, that's a really powerful, you know, when we look around at our own life experience or what we've been through or where is God up to in these things, you know, to be able to go through something like that. um, And this isn't for us to, like, compare ourselves or like belittle ourselves because like, Oh, I don't, I don't have that same response. Like, well, I'm glad you don't work at a nuclear power plant. That's in the middle of an earthquake and you know, tsunami, like, um, but at the same time, like being to have, being able to have that moment of of clarity or those moments of clarity in our day-to-day lives of, you know, the truth of God being with me and that God loves me and that I can have relationship and love God back and love other people. And other people also do that. Uh, being a truth that I hold firmly to, while these other things are also kind of mm-hmm. hitting, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Dave, give me more." Uh, yeah. So it, it, man, like that's. By the way, that video is great. It's tough to watch. It was tough to watch, man. I was like, bro. <laughs> that, it's, this is this is difficult man. Yeah. i feel like i was there but not really and then the he's, fan kicked on in the room i'm just kidding no, it's so crazy he's a great storyteller he's very, uh, very good. he's wonderful and his story is is so powerful but um and and that situation was powerful but i mean we're in powerful stuff all the time 100 percent uh in our in our lives no matter where we are i mean we're dealing with you know somebody's sick and maybe terminally so somebody's uh you know fallen fallen away or, or dealing with addiction or dealing with poverty or dealing mm-hmm. with uh, all of these things that that just beset us uh, in our you know normal lives mm-hmm. uh, they're not signs that God has turned against us mm-hmm. um, they're they're not God kind of kind of punishing us um, they're their life that's happening that we're living out and what I want people more than anything to get from this message, uh, is that no matter what you're going through, God is with you. Mm-hmm. And that God's love continues to be just as strong as whatever day you first discovered it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that God will help you find comfort, find peace, no matter you know what the storms of life are, are kind of bringing to you. Yeah. Uh, and so that's what I, I hope that you hear this. Uh, you know, not as a horror story, but as a, <laughs> but as as a, a declaration of hope mm-hmm. that exists no matter what, no matter what. Yeah, uh, and and not to go against the entire theme of you know devastation and despair and destruction and that God is with us and that's not the reflection is is, um, yeah, I, I don't remember exactly what was said to me, but I thought it was full of wisdom. And it was essentially like, Kelly, like live moment to moment. Um, be intentional about the moments in your life when you're aware, at least, right? Like, because, you know, if you know me, like, I'm everywhere all the time. Um, but uh, there's this trap I feel like I fall into quite often, which is, you know, it's God's either with me when it's really good or God's with me when I need rescuing and I'm like utter despair and destruction is, and then in the middle of that, I'm on my own figuring it out. And I, and I think the, the thing that's so fascinating is how quick I am, how trained I am or how developed that part of me is to like 
trust myself in that and to try to make sense out of it and work through that myself alone, Mm -hmm. either apart from a physical community or a digital community with other people (laughs) um, or with God, God's self. And, and, And so how quick I am to just like try to make sense out of it as opposed to um, wanting to to be able to just be with God and to know that God is with me because God wants to be with me and that there's there's my soul wants to also be united and with God and we I want to start from there mm-hmm. I want to live like intentionally mm-hmm. moment to mm-hmm. moment in that and um and so I hope the encouragement you're hearing is also that uh, that's the journey. That's the life we have, where we get to learn and develop into that and grow into that. And some days I might get it real good, and other days it might be like, "What relationship?" But yeah. <laughs> like, you know. And so, and so, I, I hope that that's heard as a as a form of encouragement. In um, you know, maybe the season of life somebody's in right now is like one where they do not have time to be very intentional about their feelings and their emotions and like how things are going because other things require their time or uh, their intentionality and and. They're just doing the best. You're just doing the best you can. That's also okay. But um, in that, uh, this isn't about shame. Oh, no. It's not about shoulda, coulda, woulda. It's not about your life circumstances or God punishing you like you were saying. Or if you just like believed better or loved God better, then things would just be hunky-dory. You know, strive, uh, and this will be my closing thought here, is strive and I think put maybe we should push ourselves more towards the let's be with God. Let's be intentional about being with God and with each other and just working through that. Um because I think there's a lot of really good positive stuff there. Um and uh I think that's worth our energy. Mm-hmm. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah if we ever get to the point where we have God's heart or see the world as God sees it. I think we're on our way of, of, of uh, being in tune with with God. Then, mm. uh, if we if we see the world as as black and white, uh, that's just not reality. Um, but if we see it as a complex uh, mixture of relationships and situations that are going on, uh, where there's not a, a a good guy and a bad guy, but people who are all created by God who are doing. Uh, the best that they can for the most part. Uh, that's not to say there's not evil in the world or sin in the world or those things that break God's heart, but it's 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 just saying that this is where we find ourselves and how are we going to walk with God through it. Mm. Amen, brother. Amen. I'm Pastor Kelly. And I'm Pastor Dave. And we'll catch you next week. <laughs>